This interview was originally recorded in June 26, 2020, and as I stated in a previous podcast, I was unable to make the edits and submit it for publication until now. I think it's still relevant. I hope you enjoy it. And with that, the Generic Board Game Podcast. Today is June 26, 2020. Welcome to the Generic Board Game Podcast, all the board gaming content you could possibly want at a fraction of the price. I'm your American host, Philip Millman. And, and oh, it's me, isn't it? I'm your European host, Vic from NaveCon, or what used to be NaveCon, and what still is NaveCon, and will soon return as NaveCon at some stage in the future. The audio works. Yeah. <laughs> okay, listen, got to admit, we did have a couple of problems with audio. Some of it might have been related to me. I admit it. Okay. There was kind of, I featured in the problem uh, in a certain, okay, we absolutely terrible audio for me. Everyone else's audio was perfect, but uh, I made a complete dog's do of it. Um, but my audio is good now, as far as I can see, apart from the voice. And uh, we're going to chat to our buddy. I'm very excited about it. Mark McKeown or Keen or Keown or whatever. Mark? Kenan. McKinnon, that was it. I knew it from last week. Uh, and I am absolutely delighted to be here. Um, and I'm absolutely delighted that you were willing to come back to be interviewed for a second time because of our little technical faux pas. You know, you figure someone who's an IT expert would be able to handle these technical issues. It's just a little warm-up, that's all. Mark, you have the um, you get the prize for being the only one who has come back for a second interview. A repeat offender. Yeah, so that's it. Well, look, I was asked not to make jokes about Glasgow, so we'll leave that there. What we've got going on this evening is we have Mark, and Mark is, um, well, okay, first of all, i got to admit, we're kind of related. Your child is my uh, second cousin thrice removed or something like that, um, so I'm kind of related in a kind of non-blood way to a game designer, so look. It makes perfect sense, um, even though he's half my age. But <laughs> Mark is the designer of the very interesting game Wreck and Rune. And Wreck and Rune is a, to me anyway, I was lucky enough to get to play it a, a couple of years ago at a UK Games Expo. Um, what we've got is a game set in the kind of Mad Max type world, post-apocalypse, mo- you know, cars, killing desert and so on so texas right i was going to say mark you live in glasgow what gave you the idea for having a post-apocalypse world where people go around killing each other but that's probably not the right thing to say um mark your game wreck and ruin is something unusual there's very little in that i'm aware of that isn't quite old that's set in that environment um wreck and ruin tell me all about it yeah, so the idea actually came from, it was a dream. So I had no intention of making a game at any point. If you'd said to me a few years back, you're going to make a game, I would have laughed at you so hard. Um, <laughs> but I woke up with this idea and I, I, I was just compelled to, to start writing. So I don't even remember the dream anymore. Uh, but yeah, that's what started it off. So four wow. factions out in the wasteland, Fighting over the last of Earth's technology, 
I'd been playing a lot of Fallout Four at the time, okay. mm-hmm. and uh, and I think I was kind of I'd played it for maybe about four hours, and I'd just set off in a random direction. I just like to just go go one direction, just see what's out there, and then after about four hours, I I realised like I hadn't really achieved anything, mm-hmm. and uh, I was kind of at that point I was kind of sick of playing. Uh, computer games and I was like do you know what how much better would this be if I could just jump in a car and like drive from one end to the other like it would have saved me so much time hmm. and I think that's where the idea kind of came from so yeah so started working on Wreck and Ruin four factions you go out collect resources trying to stop the other players from doing the same what happens is you have to land on them in your turn, but then you have to survive the next player's turn to actually okay. to win them. So okay. you've got this kind of tactical thing where you're trying to get your own points, you're trying to stop other people getting the points. There's also three, four players, a tactical decision to actually leave some with of your enemy sitting on some of them so that <laughs> it's more for the next player to worry about and they can't stop everybody. So it's, uh, yeah, kind of just wanted to make something that was cool that had i'm a big minis fan i'm not gonna lie about that so yeah Mm. had to have minis yeah i'm not always the best man for talking about minis (laughs) you know vic and i have had long discussions about dudes on the map and you know i'm really really happy with little soulless wooden cubes but (laughs) There are people who love minis, and God bless them. And as I like to say, board games are like books. There is an author, a genre, and a style that everybody will like. The um, Just talking about that, if, uh, did you see what GMT did recently with their, um, their whole thing of um, anybody who had lost their job after the 21st of March, they were going to give a free game to and a friend of mine who just hates cube games and said, haven't they suffered enough? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, not everybody, not everybody can enjoy the abstract beauty of a gray cube or a brown cube in a game like Lignum. So I guess, uh, that that's actually very interesting that you had this dream and that you want to put the game. But what what kind of got you into board gaming? What what is your genesis of board gaming, just as a player as opposed to a designer? So back in the uh, the, the distant past, the the time the landed time forgot. It was uh, my next door neighbor. He was he was right into Warhammer. He ah, was yes. about four years older than me, and uh, I was only nine, maybe ten, and they had these awesome, like poisonous lead minis everywhere. But you know that way, I was like, I, I need to, <laughs> I need to get involved with this. Uh, so, <laughs> so it started off with that. It was, uh, it was initially Space Crusade that got me into it, and uh, and then I did kind of break into the kind of the harder plastic addiction, which was the forty k. But I never really went down the kind of fantasy route. It was always kind of sci fi. Hmm. I went for, and then I stopped. I stopped for a long time and kind of got back involved maybe seven, eight years ago. Uh, moved back to my mum's 
still had the old Warhammer drawings up in the wall, and I hadn't I hadn't looked at any of that stuff for years. So I thought, do you know what? I'll jump online. I'll see what it's all about now. Came across eBay. You know, I was like, I'll just see what's happening. And uh, wow, like there's all these different companies. You know, back then it, it pretty much was just you had the Raoul Partha minis and you mm-hmm. had Games Workshop and that was that was pretty much your two choices. And now there's just so many different things and it just it just blew my mind. Uh, wow. I found it was Dreadball that I found from Manti okay. Games and that kind of broke me back into it. And uh, yeah, I had, had the minis, had the game, but it was all kind of, you know, it was more updated than what I was ever used to. So, yeah, I was like, I need to get more of this. So, yeah, that's what started it all back again. I, I'm just talking about, like, toxic lead and so on. My first introduction to minis were we cast our own ones. And there's a, it's actually an Irish company that's still going called uh, Prince August. And what you would do is you would buy ingots of, they were kind of like pewter. It was called model metal. You'd melt them and you'd pour them into a rubber mold and you had to talc the inside of the rubber mold to stop them from sticking. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> like uh, myself and a group of about three or four friends just were building armies for Warhammer out of this. And we thought we were the, the bee's knees, especially when one of them um, half inched a large block of industrial solder. And we used that <laughs> to cast our orcs. And, uh, we were out the back of someone's house, you know, one of the lads, and we were pouring this stuff in, and there was a fabulous smell of kind of talcum powder, and somebody came out and went, you know, you're the only guys I know uh, that actually want to get talcum powder for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> the um, You're based in, and I, I know I'm kind of joking a little bit, but you're based in just outside Glasgow, isn't it? Just outside Glasgow, yeah. You game in up there, and what's the the Scottish gaming scene like? So as I would say, it's still predominantly Magic: The Gathering and Warhammer with most of the clubs. But board games are are starting to insidiously creep into everyday gaming life. So we're starting mm. to take over tables everywhere. Uh, so yeah, it's getting better. We've we've got our own convention now. This oh, wow. This year would have been our third year mm-hmm. of uh, of Tabletop Scotland. So, yeah, it's it's getting bigger. A lot of the clubs are starting to get more involved and in, in start their own kind of smaller conventions. So it's uh, on the up and up, hopefully. Oh, wow. Yeah. No, well, uh, I would love to be invited uh, as... I would love to be invited to a Scottish convention. I, I My time in Edinburgh was really a lot of fun and quite frankly i felt more akin to the scots than i did to the brits or the welsh so i'm just i'm putting it out there <laughs> don't say anything you can't take back now <laughs> uh, no no i i you know my i i fully admit that i i relate better to the scots than i do to the the english or the welsh um and and of course if i'm ever invited to one of the, one of these conventions i'll absolutely bring my trophy uh so <laughs> What are your top three games? And you can't say Diplomacy because we don't want Vic to be happy. It's assumed that your zero game is Diplomacy and after that, <laughs> that doesn't really matter, like one, two, and three. Yeah, well, I'm about to be kicked out of the family because I've never even played it. So, oh, Yes! 
So will, will we start with three and then work up to one? We'll do it that way. Three to one. Right. Let's do it. Let's keep the excitement going. Yeah. Right. So so number number three for me has to be Sheriff of Nottingham. Okay. Because I play quite a lot with families and things like that. People that aren't really gamers and I find it quite an easy one to get people involved with. Mm. But it's also just so much fun. It's just such a good laugh. Oh yeah. And it's even just I mean, I I take it to the next level. Like you say to me, you know, what have you got in your bag? Like five apples and the sheriff's like, Are you sure? And I'm like, honest governor, picked them this morning. Fresh. I've just I've just polished them. Would you like you know have a smell? Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I I was uh it was actually at the Games Expo where I saw your game a couple of years back that I wound up in a game of um Sheriff of Nottingham with a group of people and I learned like I thought I was devious, but no, these guys were next level. It was something else. I learned more about that game than you know I. I I played it a few times, but I didn't know there was so much depth to it. But it's a cracking little game, all right. Um, I'm yes. not sure about the reprint of it, but uh, the graphics on it. But I really like it. I have a copy of it upstairs, and, and it gets wheeled out every now and again. I've still game got number, the old version. Game number two. So game number two would have to be... These These were tough ones. I'm not going to okay. lie. Mm-hmm. Um, Kingdom Death. Is mm, interesting. Is yeah. one of my favourite games. Okay. So I mean, it's so ridiculously unfair. Like mm-hmm. I should hate it. It hates yeah. me. So <laughs> <laughs> it's it's all dice rolling, and and I think they're all d tens, and nine sides of them are ones. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's just there's something about it. I just it's it's like that when you're playing a computer game. And you're trying to fight the boss and you're fed up and you know, you died for the tenth time, you throw the pad away, but then you just pick it straight back up again and do it again. That's that's the best way to describe it. It's so unfair, but you just you love it for it. No, not me. Uh, if I play any of the Dark Souls games, I get to the first guy, fight him, lose a couple of times and go, Yeah, not for me. <laughs> yeah, so move on to something else. So if if Dark, if Kingdom Death was Dark Souls you would be walking up to the boss in Dark Souls and then the floor would just randomly open underneath you and you'd die. That's that's Kingdom Death in a nutshell. Uh, what's your number one game that you like? Uh, Libertalia. <gasps> it has to Excellent. be. The artwork and the cards, absolutely mm-hmm. tremendous. And the fact that you have so many, but you, you don't see them all in any one game and the combination yeah. is always different. So mm-hmm. I just find that every time I play it, it's the one game that I'll quite happily get out. You know, I'll never turn around and say, no, I don't want to play that. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, it's got, it's got to be number one. Yeah, I really like that game. And it's kind of interesting insofar as there's a few games where people randomly do things or simultaneous move and then it just becomes chaos. But that doesn't, like, you you always have a chance of winning you always have a chance. You you'll get something out of your move, no matter what you do. Um, whereas I'm trying to think of the game where uh, Express or something, where you've got like this train game and you're all bandits. Cold Express. Cold Express. Cannot stand yeah. it. It's like just total mishmash. It's just like you might as well be throwing marbles at the the game. But 
the Bertelli, the artwork, and it's funny you should say that. I think the artwork is absolutely extraordinary. Some of the like the characters are so lifelike, and it's 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 really out of this world. Um, Breck and Rune, bringing you back to this, you were saying you 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 came up with it in a dream and so on. It wasn't really you know you hadn't kind of harbored this for a, a lifetime. I'm assuming you don't do wreck and ruin for a living. So what, what do you do? What's your professional background, your full-time role? Uh, so uh, when I made wreck and ruin, I was actually, I was working in construction. So okay. I would just, I'd describe myself as a non-traditional gamer and I don't have any design skills mm. or uh, background. I've not done, I didn't do anything. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from writing the rule book, the, the last thing I wrote before that, apart from Christmas cards, would have been in school 15 years beforehand. Okay. So, uh, yeah, so it's as much of a shock to me as it was to anyone else. But, uh, yeah, so I kind of I work for British Gas, I work for just now, mm. um, basically helping people with their boilers. Okay. So, we have a boiler breakdown, speak to me, we get it sorted. Okay, I might talk to you offline, I'm having a couple of issues. Yeah, if you're ever coming to the DC <laughs> area, I have a boiler issue. <laughs> Look, we can, we can talk about the price and so on. Like, I'm sure exactly. you, can do, you can do an old, you know, cash-only job. Like, you know. <laughs> uh, that's funny, cash-only job. So, so we, we know about the dream, um, but what, can, what really motivated you from taking it from a dream to an actual product and what was your biggest challenges getting it off the ground because i know that it didn't initially go well in kickstarter yeah so for those that don't know i failed to fund the first two times on kickstarter so i was third time lucky which um jamie stegmeyer did a deep dive on kickstarter and found that was only one of five projects that actually successfully funded after failing twice so i think that was more stubbornness than than anything else, I'm not going to lie. Uh, I'm basically like a dog with a bone. Once I get something in my head, you know, I need to get it out there. Um, so failing wasn't actually the hardest thing. The hardest thing for me was when I first started doing it, I, I was quite naive. I actually thought like I'd, I'd knocked out the park with the very first attempt. You know, that way where I was like, right, let, let's do this. I, uh, I went and got a, a prototype printed up at a local company and any designer will tell you do not spend money until the game is is pretty much ready mm. so yeah i went and bought two prototypes took them to aircon mm. which is back then it was a little uh, convention down in bradford and um and yeah i booked myself in for a playtest session so i went in there set the game up and said, right, this is what we're doing. This is what's happening. We set up, played a round, and, uh, and then second round started, said, right, a couple of things are going to change now. And one of the playtesters just, he put down all the material we had, he just kind of placed it gently on the table, and he looked at me and he said, this is why your game is broke. And I was like, uh oh, like I'm not, I'm not ready for this. Like, what's happening here? Uh, so proceeded to tell me basically everything that was wrong with it. Uh, so I came away from the show utterly dejected. Um, but I woke up the next morning and I, I realized I had two choices: whether to 
continue with what I was doing um, and just bury my head in the sand, see how it goes, or actually listen to the advice and and do it. And I listened to him, and that was the best thing I could have ever done. So learning that was the hardest skill, I think. I, I have to say I'm disappointed. I was kind of hoping to say, you'd say that you stuck your head in the sand, it's still there, and it worked out. <laughs> I'm afraid not. So the game started on squares, hmm. and uh, basically the feedback was it was. I've always had a kind of my games. I want to make them as replayable as possible. So there's always multiple tiles, so you could create whatever you wanted with them in any any kind of configuration. Hmm. But the squares caused two issues. One was in a three-player game with everybody starting in the middle of one of the sides, there's always somebody sandwiched between two. Mm. So it was it was uneven. Okay. And the other thing was that the 90-degree turning of the vehicles just didn't feel natural. Okay. And there's games that do, like Car Wars does it, so it can be done. Um, but I think for the kind of for the speed of the game that I was doing, it just didn't work. So the advice was to change it all to hexes, which initially I thought was just a cosmetic change and then realized that basically the game the game was scrapped it had to be built from the ground back up to fit that but it was the game was a hundred times better for it so i bumped into him at the next at the uk games expo the same one i met you mm. and i was standing in the queue behind the guy and uh standing in the queue to get our passes and he turned around and i said oh do you remember me and he says oh yeah you're the you're the square to hexes guy <laughs> and I, I said, I'm not going to lie to you. I said, I did hate you for quite a while. Um, I says, but I took your advice. I says, and it was the best thing I could have ever done. So we are we are tentative Facebook friends now. Yeah. Well, and, and that's actually kind of interesting because one of the previous uh, designers that we talked to, uh, Raymond Chandler III, City of the Big Shoulders, uh, there were a lot of things that had not gone well with his game as he was developing it. And he took other people's advice. In fact, one of the greatest mechanics of this game is sort of this, <clears throat> excuse me, it's um, the players determine what the new worker placement action spots are going to be. And that was something he was struggling with because he had everything the same and it, it had, then it created replayability problems and it created some other problems. And when someone suggested it, he said, you know, what, I actually got upset a little bit, but then I thought about it overnight. And I'm like, yeah, that makes sense. So, uh, you know, look, uh, I think one of the lessons is you know, get your game play tested and don't take it personally. They're actually trying to help you. So I, I commend you for that. They they say the measure of a man is how much truth they can accept. You know, so you you bounce back and you know a lot of people wouldn't. Uh, so fair play. Um, I see on your website you self publish. So what does that mean? No, if it was books, I assume that would be you go off and you make one copy and and send it out, but. Self-publishing, I assume, is a very different thing for board games. Definitely, yeah. So, again, with the naivety, you think that making, you know, actually designing the game is the hard part. And, uh, and it's not until, like, I had this kind of strange moment when I did fund the, the third time where, like, uh, we were coming back from UK Games Expo 2018. And, uh, and we stopped for... We stopped for food on the way back, and one of one of my pals, he said, "Oh, congratulations, you funded." And I just kind of, I just kind of looked at him, and 
he said, are you not happy? And I said, I need to make a game now. <laughs> like, <laughs> up until that point, like, you could always kind of say that, oh, well, I tried to make a game, but I hadn't funded, whereas now, now the option was out, it was out of my hands now. <laughs> you know, so I had to, I had to do it. Um, but yeah, there's loads of information on on Facebook, on the internet for all this stuff. I just did a lot of research um, on everything. So I found out, basically, I learned about some of the kind of manufacturing processes. So a bit to do with mould manufacture, mm-hmm. like how, how to make minis that are kind of, that can be, can be put into moulds. And uh, and things like learning about tolerances and bleeds bleeds on everything. Like I used to hate when you when you popped your uh, your your card out your game and there was a little bit of artwork still in there. And you're like, why is that? Why is that not on my board? Like, okay. <laughs> why do I have to lose that little bit? And you find out it's just it's just printing way so that there's you know a, a clean edge for your. For your actual printed material, so yeah, it was, uh, it was all very interesting. So uh, that's actually very interesting that you've you've had to learn all these different skills and and really take the time to figure it all out. Uh, but given that you're a small publishing house, um, how is the pandemic affecting your plans? And how do and how do you think the pandemic is going to affect the board gaming industry for the rest of this year and next year? So I'm quite lucky in that this isn't my full time job. Or else, yeah, I think things could have been a lot worse. Uh, but yeah, I mean, for me, a lot of the exposure, a lot of the enjoyment out of, of self-publishing is attending conventions. So that's definitely hit hard. Um, I basically booked into about five conventions this year and I won't be attending any of them. Uh, so it's a good opportunity to be able to to sell games to just increase your visibility like it's quite hard with the amount of games that are released every year trying to stay especially cult of the new things like that trying to stay in in the limelight you know for anything is an absolute nightmare but you i mean a lot of virtual cons have shown up now Mm. so i did one of them just a couple of weeks ago and that was quite interesting quite successful UK Games Expo, they're doing that this year because that's been missed. So, yeah, I'm quite interested to see how that turns out. Okay. I've uh, I've learned Zoom, Discord, Tabletop Simulator all in the last three months. Yeah. So, it's uh, it's going to it's going to be interesting. Yeah, I <clears throat> I've been playing a lot of uh, Tabletop Simulator and um, Board Game Arena, and the major issue that I have with it, it is so flipping hard to play with the pieces. And mm-hmm. getting all the commands right, I did a teach of Baseball Highlights twenty forty five, which is a game I know reasonably well. And are you sure? I've, yeah. I've never heard it mentioned in your circle at all. <laughs> <laughs> it's, a, it's a little game that I talk about occasionally. <laughs> um, but get picking up the runners to get the the runner pieces was just okay. impossible, and it was it was so frustrating. I mean, a, a game that should normally take, you know, five minutes, each mini game should take about five minutes tops. And, you know, it took me eight because I couldn't pick up the freaking pieces. So, okay. but, but God bless with that. I am, um, I was very lucky. Um, last week, I do a regular Thursday and it went online and so on. But last week we decided to kind of um, all come out of our hidey holes and we had a face to face 
five player board game and it was great. Um, I really missed the face to face. I was surprised how much I missed it and how much enjoyment I got from it. We played uh, Endeavor and the new Kickstarter for it, which is the age of expansion. Really, really good game. Having friends back, or at least people I play with, um, you know, to play with was just great. And we were able to social distance and so on. We had like gels and masks and so on. And um, yeah, I, I hope like we get a few more games in before the next lockdown happens. So um, yeah, yeah, that's it. Don't come to Texas. I would never come to Texas <laughs> anyway if there wasn't a thing. <laughs> the, um, a, a quick question, and we ask this to everyone that comes on, uh, or at least we do now. Um, what's your dream job, Mark? I would, I would love to make games full time. Mm. That would be, that would be my dream job. I don't think I'll ever achieve it. Uh, I think it just, just it's just myself. Mm. Uh, so I don't think I have enough of an actual output to kind of to make it sustainable. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if I could, if, if I won the lottery, I would never look at a boiler again. <laughs> I would, yeah. Oh. I would just, I just have a nice big, all powerful laptop and just, just sit there and just hash out games all the time. I bet your boiler's not actually working in your house and your missus constantly tells you to get it fixed and you're like, yeah, yeah, I will at some stage because that's what happens. <laughs> yeah. I just nag me again in six months' time. Yeah, you don't, you don't have to keep telling us every six months. Yeah, <laughs> if I say I'll do it, I'll do it. Um, that's kind of what we had to say this evening, but you, we chat a little bit in between and kind of you're working on a couple of other things, aren't you? Yeah, so... You, you're always working on something and it's unbelievable where the inspiration comes from but boiler yeah i'm working on something just now it's called called the hunted oh and it's basically it comes a lot from actual fr- frustration from everything that's wrong with kingdom death okay but i still play anyway. is it kingdom death uh, d6 <laughs> yeah yeah so uh, so a lot of a lot of kingdom death is luck, um, and there's a, a lot of strange things. So, so the way kingdom death works is when you're fighting monsters are AI controlled, but they have a deck of actions, and when you wound it, you take one of its actions away. Okay, yeah. But what that can mean is the last card can create a weird infinite loop, mm-hmm. or certain combinations of cards, mm. and it just doesn't sit well with me when. When things like this can can be in a game, so uh, so I've done away with dice. Okay. Uh, so I've made mine cards. I'm all for that. I think if you're, I think if you if you're hitting a big monster with a with a five foot long sword, then you're going to hit it. Like <laughs> there's no there's no two ways about it. So yeah, it's it's just the the damage it causes can be a little bit you know swingy, but mm. if you hit something, it should hit it. Yeah, sure. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's what I'm working on now. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's really good. Um, that's okay. The uh, and and I think we're gonna have a little look at testing with you on it. Um, at some stage in the future, uh, Philip. Yeah, um, that was uh, actually very clever. What's the last game you played? Just out of curiosity. The last physical game, or yeah. like I have been on physical game. It was kind of uh... It was actually 
Point Salad. Oh, okay. Was the last one. It's a nice light game. Uh, which, I, which I really quite enjoyed. Uh, I quite enjoyed the puzzle of trying to do it. And I was just, I was grabbing cars like nobody's business. I'm one of these people, like, ticket to ride. I've, I've got, like, seven different plans that none of them are ever going to get finished. But that's, that's just how I play anything. So. Yeah. So that's awesome. Yeah. That's very good. Um, you know, once this whole thing is over, um, we must get you over for a NaveCon and get you in for a few games, but uh, you're not that far away. Not like the other fellow. No, no, it's okay, Philip. You can come too. But yeah, but you, I can you, give you you're going to let him in for free. You're still only giving me a, a five quid, uh, five euro, uh, a five euro uh, <laughs> yeah, discount. Five percent discount. Yeah, and that's yeah. that's dropped to four now. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> listen, Mark, it's absolutely super talking to you, and I I have to apologize again. It was totally my fault. The audio and so on. So, but Spain is just a warm up. Yeah, that was <laughs> yeah. I think you know we had to get used to the kind of strange accent of Philip, and uh, you know I think we've done that now. We can kind of understand. It's a little bit like doctor's handwriting and so on. But um, <laughs> you know I've enjoyed it. It's kind of interesting. I'm going to play your game. I'll pick up a copy from you and so on, and I'll I'll make a note of it to kind of spread the word. Um, and I have to say I take my hat off to you. You've tried this didn't work you tried again didn't work as well as you'd like and then you went for it and as you said there's only a very limited amount of people in that echelon that have kind of achieved what you did so fair play you know it's 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 a fantastic thing and for someone to kind of stick to their guns i, I have to take my hat off to you uh, and, and it's, it's a good lesson to everybody that you know uh instant success requires a lot of work mm-hmm yeah, it takes years to be an overnight success. Yeah. yeah, it takes years to be an overnight success, and, and I appreciate that. Well, and there's uh, nothing wrong with failing either. I think that's the the message that I picked up from it that everyone thinks they have to fund first time, and in fact, only a third of all projects actually do it. So, okay. So, Mark, if people want to get a hold of you or ask you questions, where can they reach you on social media? Uh, so I'm all over everything that's wreck and ruin. So, get me on. My, my own website is www.wreckandruingame.co.uk. You can find me on Facebook at Wreck and Ruin um, or Dream Big Games. That's the name of the company oh, after, brilliant, brilliant. after That's great dreams. So. <laughs> That's an awesome name. Vic, where can uh, they find you? Uh, if you look for anything to do with NaveCon, you will find me. So uh, I run a Facebook page and website and so on, but just Google NaveCon. And you'll find me, and I'm usually up for a chat with anyone, uh, and a game or something or other. Um, and how about yourself, Philip? And and if they want to get a, if they, if anyone wants to reach me, I can be reached on Twitter at the at sign board game rabbi. I can be reached on Instagram the at sign x Wall Street, and I can be found very often in the very large the board game group on Facebook, which has now forty four thousand members, of which I am one of seventeen admins. Wow! So you can find me there as well. I'm fairly active when people aren't complaining about all sorts of things. <laughs> Guys, this has been a great chat. Thank you very much for coming into our studio, which isn't actually a studio. It's, it's more our kind of back offices and so on. Um, but it's been great chatting to you. And uh, I hope you'll come back, certainly when you get your next game going or when something landmarkish happens with you. Um, or maybe you'll just come back and you can explain the rules to me when I get them all totally wrong and I'm playing <laughs> the game. But I've had a great kind of evening chatting to you and uh let's keep in touch as we will and um yeah thanks for yeah. having me as we say on the 
podcast, Always Be Gaming. Always be gaming. Always be gaming. Woo-hoo.